Next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. And now, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Snowden Bishop, and here with one of my all-time favorite football champions and dear friend, Nick Lowry, who's back on the show to give us an update on efforts to change NFL policy on cannabis. I'll introduce him in a minute, but in case you missed his earlier interview with neurosurgeon Dr. H.J. Raza last year, let me bring you up to speed. As I've mentioned before, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, is the NFL's industrial disease. Statistics show that 96% of all players will show symptoms at some point after they retire from the game. Until recently, a lot of those symptoms were attributed to just aging or dementia. But now that scientists are realizing what this is and why it's happening, football players are coming out in droves to advocate not only for safer conditions, but also for changing NFL policy to allow the use of cannabis as an alternative to opiates and protective measures. Although NFL players have really taken the lead in raising awareness about the problems of CTE, they aren't the only athletic franchise to grapple with the debilitating consequences of repeated concussive injury. Boxers, wrestlers, and even athletes in non-contact sports like skiing, car racing, and soccer are at risk. Addiction is another problem that's common in sports franchises. Opiates, muscle relaxers, and sleep aids are often handed out like candy in locker rooms. While cannabis is scientifically proven to be an effective alternative to some of the most commonly prescribed drugs, it remains among a long list of drugs that athletes are forbidden to take and routinely tested for. And even though there's a growing number of current and former NFL players vying to reverse these policies, the NFL's governing executives have refused to make any changes. This has prompted a number of players to take a different approach. Rather than starting at the top, they're now going to the players' union and NFL alumni associations to apply pressure from the ground up. That's the topic of today's show, and I am delighted to have the one and only Nick Lowry here to give us the update. He's a Hall of Famer and former kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs and New York Jets, who spent more than 18 years playing with the NFL. 
As founder of the Nick Lowry Youth Foundation, he creates programs that use principles of the game to empower young people to live their dreams. He's been getting a lot of press lately as an advocate for cannabis as an alternative therapy for athletes. And he's a national spokesperson for Life Sciences, which has been spearheading comprehensive research study on the neuroprotective and restorative attributes of CBD, which you may have heard him talk about when we had him on the show with Dr. Raza last year. Welcome back, Nick. I am so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you, Snowden. And, you know, I think whatever career we have, it's nice to look back at the sort of intervals that measure either lack of progress or progress in this case to see not only progress with regard to my role with can life sciences and canaway and hemp meds uh, in the vast communities that are affected by uh, the potential for cannabis to help with so many conditions um, but also just seeing how so many people since then since we did that interview have been benefited i wanted to share a couple stories with you today uh, about that to show how real it is. I'd love to hear them. And I am eager to talk to you about the efforts to gain acceptance for cannabis among NFL Alumni Association members. But first, I want to ask you something that we didn't really have a chance to talk about in our last interview. And that is, you haven't always been in favor of cannabis. And yet now you are, without question, one of the most enthusiastic advocates I've ever met. And I thought it would be important for people to kind of hear your history and hear it from you. What changed your mind initially? Well, um, I'm going to tell you a story now about uh, my relationship with marijuana, too. Uh, uh, I actually worked in the White House Drug Abuse Policy Office for Ronald Reagan in the off season of 1988. And uh, my feeling is, it still is, is, I don't care what party you are, I want you to be, I want to be myself a problem solver. That's the issue we have across the board in this country. Um, but back in college, Snowden, I had a friend, Steve Solomon, who's now a former president of the San Diego Psychological Association. And we were fraternity brothers at uh, Kappa 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 Dartmouth College in Little Hampshire, uh, Hanover, New Hampshire. And uh, we had in the spring of uh, Steve's senior year, my junior year, we had the World Beer Pong Championships. And I can let it be known now that Steve, who was from San Diego himself, which is the location for Canaway, uh, he had his own stash of pot, which back then the THC levels of pot was a lot less than what it can be grown to now. And we had a ritual. I never bought pot, never have, uh, never took cocaine, none of that stuff ever. But that spring, before our games, he and I would smoke some marijuana. We always felt like it gave us sort of a tunnel vision. And we ended up winning the first World Beer Pong Championship, which was with this big high net. And uh, so I'm coming clean. But I actually had to come clean to the uh, White House security people and tell them that, too. And they were cool because they knew it was no longer an issue, especially uh, in 1988, uh, a year after the NFL had started for the first time its random drug policy. But my uh, journey with regard to cannabis versus marijuana is I'm not really a big fan of uh, marijuana just because I believe that that is such a still uh, a growing, uh, very important field, but it's also an unpredictable um, minefield of politics uh, and economics. And right now we have at Canaway and Can Life Sciences, um, we have a legal playing field. Uh, the 2004 Ninth Circuit decision uh, versus the DEA said that if 
hemp is produced outside the country, if it's less than 0.3% uh, THC, if it's only the stem, stock, and seeds, and if it's naturally produced, that's pharmaceutical produced, it's legal already in all 50 states. It's legal actually in 35 countries right now that we work with. And then with Candlelight Sciences, which is a new thing since we last talked, we were just featured on May 20th on Dateline NBC with Lester Holt introducing and, and Harry Smith doing a fantastic job of looking at uh, not only marijuana, medical marijuana, but the hemp issue and talking about our research. And so I've been won over, number one, by the sheer weight of the science, whether it's Stanford University, whether it's Dr. David Schubert from Salk Institute, whether it's Nobel Prize winner Julius Axelrod and the, his patent 6630507, which we have a unique license from the National Institute of Health to research its use for CBD. But we also have a new uh, molecule. So we have a molecule, uh, KLS13019, which is unbelievably powerful. It's 50 times more powerful. It's 400 times medically safer. It's 10 times more bioavailable. But we also have a new patent as well. And we're looking at uh, more and more confirmation that the very thing that we have seen opiates destroy, which is the ability of the brain to make objective decisions, to not be impulsive, uh, that the gene itself in the brain that's affected by opiates, it seems to turn on more addictions, is absolutely positively impacted by CBD. CBD seems to neutralize those reactions. And so I think you're going to see, I'll make a prediction and uh, somebody hold me accountable to this, that 10 years from now, the numbers of opiate addictions, the number of uh, unbelievably unnecessary opiate deaths are going to be severely, and I don't mean 5%, I'm talking about 75 to 80% reduced if we can move as we should and are beginning to, uh, to embrace this new technology, to embrace it through traditional FDA means, to embrace it through the full population. What's interesting to me, fascinating, is that culture from the early 70s when I was smoking pot with Steve Solomon at TriCap, right across from Keywood Computation Center in Hanover, New Hampshire. You know, there were only certain people that, you know, were cool to do pot and it, it became cool. But now you've got all these other people that have never done or never would do pot that understand that cannabis itself is so important that we have CB receptors that Stanford University has talked about that are in our immune system, CB2 receptors they're called. We also have um, receptors called CB1 receptors for our uh, neural system. So there is so much we're only beginning to notice and learn and prove that can impact people across the board in their overall health, most importantly in their capacity to take control of their health and not be uh, slaves to these horrendous toxic conditions from all the pharmaceutical grade opportunities that often um, are not only effective in one way, but incredibly um, toxic in other ways to the human body. Well, so many of the pharmaceuticals really are not made with processes or chemicals or molecules that are intended for human consumption to begin with. So the liver is having to, you know, process all of these drugs. And not only that, but the, the problem of opiate addiction, which we're all aware of, is such an insidious problem that, you know, having an alternative that will not only help to provide relief for some of the things that pharmaceuticals are prescribed for, but also help to wean people off of it because of the way that it affects the brain. People that are watching, I want you to 
tell me if you don't know somebody right now in your life that has been weaned off two and four and five and 10 and sometimes 15 drugs and how almost immediately they seem more clear headed and more at peace. Oh yeah. And I've seen it time and again, it's, it's pretty phenomenal and exciting when you start realizing how, how often the medical community is beginning to embrace that concept. I only wish that you were part of the president's drug council now <laughs> advising on this because, you know, I think that a lot of the, the people who have been installed into that opiate commission that they're working on, you know, really have huge uh, animosity toward any kind of illicit drugs, and, and a lot of them aren't open. They also have inherent often conflicts of interest, too. Yeah, we need to balance it out with people um, that are not um, directly or indirectly tied to the pharmaceutical solutions and look instead as objectively as we possibly can. Nothing will be perfect, but uh, the latest is that President Trump seems to be leaning to support it. We'll see. We know that Jeff Sessions has uh, probably his own um, political reasons for why he seems to be ignoring the... This isn't just an avalanche of... of Science. <laughs> this is a tidal wave that's not gonna stop. And so, I, you know, the difference being an avalanche is something that happens in a matter of maybe one minute, two minutes. Uh, tidal wave is something that I see in terms of just the entire, the entire ocean being filled with not only what we know now, and a lot of research in the last four years since 2014, with the Salk Institute, for instance, finding neurogenesis in addition to neuroplasticity and Dr. David Schubert's people in La Jolla, California, but, the uh, ability through this research to understand the brain and how it works better. Who doesn't know that part of our health, if not the most important part, certainly is a kicker in the NFL running out. That's why it's so personal to me in many ways, um, is the ability to be alert, but also calm. We make our best decisions when we're alert, we're aware of, of all the data and all the stimuli around us, but we're also able to dispassionately select out what's most important. That's how we make the best decisions. That's how we grow in life. That's how we learn from mistakes and we miss a field goal. Um, you know, and then that's how I think we're going to progress as a country as well. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, you mentioned that there are so many people who really have managed to go from 15, 20, I've heard up to like 50 pills that are all different forms of anti-anxiety or, you know, like Prozac or opiates or any kind of uh, harsh medicine like that and really wean themselves down to absolutely zero. And already in Colorado, we've seen studies that opiate use is diminishing, you know, in the tens of percentages. So already, and it's pretty phenomenal. So I was flying on a flight back from Kansas City uh, six months ago. And I just felt it was, you know, divine providence. You know, I, uh, this woman started talking about right next to me and she wouldn't stop talking. And at first I'm going, why do I have to be sitting? We all sit next to those people sometimes. There are those of us lucky enough to be able to travel as much as, as I, I am. And, and, but then the more I listened to her, the more it was about the fact she's flying back from Kansas City to Phoenix, where I live, because her son, it's hard not to get emotional to think about this. Her son died a year ago. And she was going there to, to remember him and, his, and the loss of her beautiful son, who was a former football player from CMSU 
Warrensburg, Missouri. And I saw pictures of him on his deathbed. He looked so young and so fresh. And, uh, and now he's gone. And you think about 50,000 to 60,000 deaths, more than, than in the entire Vietnamese War. And I mean, how do you measure that loss, especially when, like with AIDS, a lot of these people that are dying are not 80 and 90 years old. They're 30, and in this case, 25 and younger. You're absolutely right. And it, it's tragic. It really is tragic. And every time I hear of, of another death to opiates, and I know several people who have died because of the medicine that they were prescribed by their doctors, and it, it just seems like, you know, if that's not a wake-up call, nothing could be. But now that we're aware, if this keeps happening, there really is no excuse for it, and we really need to start embracing this new science. So tell me about the NFL Alumni Association deal that you're working on to introduce cannabis or to have it accepted as an alternative treatment that can help with CTE and addiction. Well, the union has been steadfastly, the NFL Players Union has been steadfastly um, keeping distance from this, which has been very disappointing for me because to me, leaders uh, are the ones that step up and face something in the mirror and say, we're going to do something about it. And I guess they're legally, they have a legal way of looking at things. And so legally, uh, the NFL Players Association signed uh, the collective bargaining agreement for wages, hours, and working conditions. So working conditions, if we agreed to it, then maybe we're also responsible for that. But a lot of this information did not become that available till the last 10 years. Dr. Bennett Amalu and the movie Concussion and his research with my former teammate, Mike Webster, being a big part of that on CTE. Um, our goal is to work with, uh, right now, uh, Elvis Gooden, who is former CFO and now also the CEO of NFL Alumni, and his wonderful leadership uh, and to help provide uh, free um, our products. These are non-high hemp-based products from Hemp Meds, which we uh, are announcing this week and next week uh, to provide to up to a thousand uh, NFL alumni with a questionnaire so that we continue to fine tune the efficacy uh, for the players and their overall health. Uh, we're not allowed to make statements per the FDA about what it can and can't do. So let's just say that we're very excited because so many players, and I'm talking 100%, have some form of um, health issues, whether it's sleep or, or energy or anxiety, et cetera. And so we're just going to let them report and see you know, how things are going. Um, it's just the beginning. It's just a way of just saying we owe it to our former players and to the best game in America, the finest game, the best thing that ever happened to me, to keep it's safe, not only in the NFL, but in college, where um, 48 of 53 college players that uh, whose brains were sent to BU with Ann McKee uh, doing the autopsy, 48 of 53 college players who never even played past college had CTE. And that's not an accurate summary of a random summary. We know statistics. I studied with Professor Light at Harvard Kennedy School uh, about statistics. We know that, but it's still a sobering statistic. And not only college, but high school, not only high school, but, but Pop Warner, which is a wonderful place to learn the lessons of life, of hard work and teamwork and toughness, uh, focus. Focus is a lost art, by the way, if you've noticed in classrooms today because of this wonderful thing called, called a phone, which uh, teaches only very, very short-term focus and, and not the ability to stay through things when they're initially boring and when, when we're tired. So football is a great sport. We don't want to lose it. 
And this is a, uh, an important step to, uh, first of all, help fellow NFL players and uh, simply make it clear this is non-high, non-marijuana, very safe, uh, and for a lot of them, just pure um, CBDs. That means zero THC. Let me tell you a story about zero THC. Amy Van Dyken, yesterday, my friend Amy Van Dyken, one of the finest human beings on the planet, first woman to win four gold medals at the Olympics, 1996, I believe. And she married Tom Ruin, a fellow NFL kicker, the punter for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I know, the Broncos. <laughs> hey, we're brothers and uh, a wonderful guy. And she was paralyzed in a tragic accident four years ago, had hated getting in the pool. It, it didn't. Uh, remind her of good times. It reminded her of all her loss. And Amy Van Dyken complained to me um, about six, seven weeks, two months ago, maybe, that uh, CBDs didn't seem to be working quite strongly enough. We doubled her dose because, you know, she's got a very serious condition. She's par paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, and she's only been taking pure CBD. That was approved by the Mexican government. It's zero THC. It would pass all World Anti-Doping Association standards, which I used to have on my radio show on Sirius Satellite back in the day, uh, the same World Anti-Doping Agency that found, uh, you know, guilty, a guy named Lance Armstrong, who would pass all those tests. And uh, she texted me um, just uh, five days later after she doubled her dose, oh my God, I can't believe how much better I feel. And just last week said she feels amazing. Uh, she takes two tablespoons in the morning and maybe one or two in the afternoon with her coffee. And that's non-high, zero THC. So cannabis can't be put, like all us human beings, Snowden, you're unique. You're an amazingly beautiful, thoughtful, bright, determined human being. You're unique in your own way. I want to be unique. I am unique. Everybody's unique. And just in the same way, let's not think of cannabis in one one stereotype because it affects people differently. There are different ways to use it. And yet it's very safe, almost no chance of toxicity. Uh, our own science is that at about 1500 milligrams at most is the beginning of any potential um, toxicity. So Amy Van Dyken now has a quality of life that she uh, hasn't had for four years. And uh, I had dinner with her and Jim McMahon, the famous Jim McMahon, uh, the wonderful rebel quarterback for the Super Bowl champion, maybe the best Super Bowl team of all time, the Chicago Bears in 1985. And uh, her friend Elisa and I were having dinner with Jim and she said to me, guess what we did two days ago? We got back in the pool and we had a blast. So to me, all of us have a chance to get back in the pool of life when we have limitations from movement, from energy, from pain, uh, from cognition and memory and all those things, we have a chance to reestablish some control over our health. And um, I'm just excited because Amy is one of many stories of some transformational effects. Yeah, they're everywhere. And that's what began to really inspire me before we even started The Cannabis Reporter. And, you know, I was really intrigued by hemp back in the day before. I think when I first started writing about hemp, there were only two states that actually had it legalized for medical use only. And 
just to watch what has happened over all of these years with the legalization that's the sky has not fallen contrary to what a lot of people thought might happen you know if they oh god forbid legalize something that could make people feel happy <laughs> you know for some reason any kind of mind altering euphoria has been taboo for so many years even though for thousands of years before that it was part of culture to have visions and you know you look at some indigenous cultures that actually used cannabis and and even pure opium to get themselves into a mindful state and you look at at the history of those cultures and you see how they dealt with conflict and resolving issues in their communities and the warfare was far less between them than it was for people who were not part of that same peace-seeking ritual. So it's, it's very interesting. But, you know, getting back to football, there are so many stories of mothers who are just absolutely refusing to allow their children to embark on a football career. And what do you say to them? I mean, because cannabis has a way of protecting your brain, obviously. We know this. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I talked with uh, uh, Dr. Bennett Amalu on MSNBC six months ago. And if you were able to see the movie Concussion, once again, outlining uh, the tragic story of Mike Webster, Dave Duerson, Junior Seau, particularly Mike Webster, um, Dr. Amalo takes a jar filled with water, puts a, you know, a wallet in there and shakes it and says, it doesn't matter what the helmet does, the brain's still going to be shaking in, inside against the wall of the skull. And on the show on MSNBC, if you Google Nick Lowry, Dr. Bennett Amalu, MSNBC, it will come right up. And it's after Amaki's study of 99% of former NFL players, I think 110 of 111, being diagnosed to their brain since it was posthumous. Um, with CTE. And uh, here's a study by UCLA Torrance, which analyzed 446 traffic accident victims, and it made sure to make distinctions between gender and size, severity of the accident, and yet even with all those things uh, to make sure that they were not skewing the data, people that had CVDs in their system were about two to two and a half percent likely to die of a traumatic brain injury versus 12 and a half percent without. In other words, you were five times more likely to survive a serious traumatic brain injury in a car accident if you had CBD in your system. So what Dr. Julius Axelrod also said, and what um, Dr. David Schubert at Salk also said, and many others, is this neuroplasticity. The cells of the brain, particularly the neurons, seem to have a plasticity, an ability to withstand impact at a much greater level. And that also leads to reducing the likelihood of the brain's neurons collapsing upon each other over time and wear and tear and, and um, aging to create these amyloid betas or A-betas, which is these clumping of cells, which are one of the main symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's. So, um, we can rebuild the brain. Neurogenesis is indeed uh, possible. And we just have to learn the science. What's great is because we're getting so much consistent results, more money now is being an attention and focus 
by great doctors with all the discipline, the double-blind studies the FDA requires, looking at the function of the brain, breaking down the, the actual parts of the brain and exactly how they work, and of course, how we feed the brain and nurture it the best. And what happens is if our brain stays young, we stay young too. So that's when you're gonna to begin to see more and more people aging very gracefully uh, and with a lot less of this occurrence of this tragic phenomena of Alzheimer's and dementia and CTE. We're starting to see a lot more elder communities also embrace cannabis, especially in the states where it's become legalized for adult use. And even not just CBD, but also the whole plant. And there's something to be said for having broad spectrum CBD that also includes those traces of the THC because there is that entourage effect with all of the different cannabinoids working with one another to affect the way that they're absorbed by the CB receptors in our body, by our endocannabinoid system. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And I think as more people learn about this, you'll see a lot of the stigma or the fear, you know, go away from it. And I've, I've watched people who have suffered comas or, or people who have suffered strokes or people who are on this downward spiral of dementia and being given drugs in nursing homes so that they become zombies after a while. And I've watched when they introduced CBD into their systems and they start becoming a lot more cognizant and aware of their surroundings. And, you know, eventually I had this with my own father, which I've talked about on this show uh, numerous times, watching him go from having these antipsychotic and, and uh, drugs like Ativan, you know, the, that were just making him react in a way that he became a zombie and, you know, he had quality of life once we started introducing CBD and for pain, occasionally THC. We got him his medical license. I had a concierge doctor who was able to set that up for him. And and he was faring so much better than other people who were in the same group home. And so value to get your father back. What's the value of that? You know, the song Luther Vandoff to dance with my father again. Right. I mean, what's the value of that? For me, it was such a gift because at the time that he started coming out of the coma, you know, I thought, oh, great. You know, he's cognizant. He knew who I was. Everything was going really well until the doctors decided that he was trying to do harm by pulling out a feeding tube or he was a little too contentious with nurses who were trying to pin him down and keep him from getting up and started giving him these these horrible drugs which you know put him back into that sort of semi-coma state and at one point i was told that he had two weeks to live and i needed to call hospice and i just absolutely refused to believe this because this is a man he's a veteran who was flying his own plane driving his own car living independently going on worldwide trips with his girlfriend Uh, you know, until he went into a coma and I just refused to believe it. And so rather than call hospice, I just pulled him out of there and and put him into a rehabilitation facility and started sneaking in CBD. Of course, we got kicked out when they found out about it. But 
you know, all of a sudden he was getting up and learning how to talk again and, and we were having conversations and he was walking with a physical therapist. You know, so, so for me it was a gift. It was like getting a second chance to have that time because I wasn't ready to say goodbye and I don't think he was either. So it was absolutely a gift. And I think also I, sh I shared with Dr. Raza and I shared with you also um, in a conversation we recently had about, you know, one of my loved ones who had a massive stroke. And Dr. Raza, who has three PhDs in neuroscience, and he's also a board-certified neurosurgeon and developing a way to diagnose CTE without an autopsy, you know, prior to death, I let him know about this because I needed his advice, and he said there's absolutely no question in his mind that the only reason he survived such a massive stroke is because he had been on CBD for more than six months. And that was pretty phenomenal to hear. Well, let me tell you a story about hospice with uh, one of my dearest friends uh, who's become a dear friend in, in basically a year, uh, Dr. Stuart Titus, who I know you probably interviewed and uh, arguably the world authority on CBDs. And it's funny how when we have a personal experience with something, it makes the learning process, <laughs> especially when there's life and death involved, but also when there's tremendous uh, immediate uh, contrast with previous experience. And here's a guy who was a scratch golfer, who was good friends with uh, Karsten, who founded Ping Golf and uh, played in the New York Amateur. Dr. Stuart Titus was on Wall Street for about 10 years and was about 160, 165 pounds. Not a, not a you know heavy guy, but he was down to 118 pounds. He had Lyme disease. Uh, he had restless leg. He hadn't slept uh, any kind of uh, decent sleep in years. He was contacting hospice. He said this at his wedding two weeks ago in Canada, uh, at his wedding. And uh, he, he had learned by watching NFL players and former athletes who were treating their pain with, uh, with marijuana and cannabis and uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina. And so he developed uh, a tremendous interest in research and then bought land in Europe developed it with our former, our founder, Michael Yamas, co-founder with Stuart. And the very first 25 milligram, not 100 milligrams, but just 25 milligram pill, he slept through the night. And now here he's now gotten married to his beautiful wife, Ika Jordan from Germany, who lives, has two holistic, very successful holistic, holistic clinics in, in Vancouver and Victoria, British Columbia. And he's healthy and he's the world's happiest man. And he's also the world's nicest man. I love him to death. And one more example that uh, traditional doctors said, you know, hospice is all that you have left. And luckily, the human spirit tends to want to survive and uh, do whatever it takes. And uh, he found a different way. There is a different way. Everybody's different. Everybody has different reactions. Uh, I'm not going to say that everybody will react exactly the same way. But I will say that uh, there's no toxicity and that you'll always have only good results. And uh, Dr. Uh, Titus and I worked with Derek Kennard and Christian Okoye. Derek Kennard's been on CBDs for just a few weeks and he says he's already feeling much better. He's had serious sleep issues, pain issues, cognitive memory issues, anxiety issues. Um, uh, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare who led the NFL in rushing and 1989, one of my, my best friends in the NFL. Uh, since day one, now our 19th week, since day one of taking these, 
products. He has been off his Ambien, which is what Junior Seau was taking, uh, which put him in, if you research Ambien, in a very bad state, sleepless all the time, and his brain, his ability to separate out and distinguish reality from unreality was, uh, I think, inhibited. And um, Christian's off his Ambien from day one, now for coming on his fifth month, and off his pain meds. Here's a guy who was, has a fused neck, and, uh, and he's had tremendous pounding on his legs and his back, and, and now he lives with uh, phenomenally less level of pain and when you have less pain you can focus on other people you can focus on doing good things in the world a lot easier yeah just to get your life back is just such a miracle it really is so i what is what is uh the status of the study that was being initiated the last time that we spoke i think you're probably talking about molecule kls 13019 we were featured with dr doug brenneman and Dean Petconis, our CEO, on Dateline NBC on May 20th, you'll see that very good six-minute interview where Dr. Brenneman says, I really don't like marijuana, but I love CBD. I love cannabidiol. And um, so that's expanded. And, uh, you know, in traditional protocol of research, you start with uh, mice, but uh, we're now getting ready to go into the human phase and, um, you know, to keep uh, the rigid discipline to make sure we find the best possible solutions in this case and double blind studies, all the things you do to make sure that you're accomplishing exactly what you think you're accomplishing. So the status is that we're moving along and we're getting, we're also featured on the history channel with Dr. Titus as well. And so we're very excited because like I said before, even though now we know so much more than we did 10 years ago, there is an uh, acceleration in the research and a greater focus and very, very consistent positive outcomes. And it, all of this is going to help us make better choices. The products will be better. We'll know what we're doing better and we'll be safer as well. I wanted to, you're, you're a resident of Arizona and I'm sure by now you've heard about the appellate court decision that basically made all extracts illegal in the state of Arizona. What do you make of this? And <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems like such a ludicrous problem to have, considering that the intent of the original law was to actually use all aspects of the plant for medicine, and they've separated it out. It's crazy. And, you know, I I can't say I know the, the, the law exactly. I've heard a number of things about it, but specifically now that you have to smoke it to be able to use it, which imagine a kid with epilepsy having to smoke it. We already have the Supreme Courts of Paraguay, Brazil, and Mexico rewriting, rewriting their laws, not only for epilepsy, which is uh, CBDs are incredibly effective for, but also autism and other very important and very debilitating conditions. So this is just crazy. It's just coming from ignorance. I grew up next door to Byron Wizard White, Supreme Court Justice, NFL star, who became a Supreme Court Justice in a swing vote for 31 years. I lived three doors down from Justice Antonine Kennedy, who just retired. I dated, uh, very briefly, um, Justice Rehnquist's daughter, Janet, who's a wonderful lady. Um, and uh, her brother and I worked under the steam pipe tunnels under the Capitol. So I grew up around Supreme Court Justice. It is hard to be a judge. It's hard to avoid the politics. But at least we need to have the people that know the science. In other words, there's one thing to, to regulate based on 
the law. But in this case, the science is so overwhelming. The only way that a decision legally can be um, as bad as this is if the, the science of it is completely ignored. And that's why I have a lot of um, optimism that it's going to be reversed eventually. But uh, we need to get people in place that are going to be committed to doing the hard research to find out what's really happening and to separate out marijuana and THC, cannabis, hemp, and non-hemp, non-marijuana as well. And just mo most, most importantly, what's the humane thing to do when there are no other choices to help people have much more cognitive health and uh, be rid of pain and live lives where they function and are contributing members of society. I think that's really one of the great priorities of a great legal system. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, not to mention weaning themselves off of opiates and solving that addiction problem for once and for all. I mean, there's just so much to be said for it. I was really heartened that the Senate embraced adding the hemp legislation that has been pending for probably 20 years now. Look at the, uh, look at the contradictions, right? I mean, you've got one judge over here in Arizona saying one thing, and then the Senate saying a completely different thing. I mean, it's just right. nuts. We need to have some comprehensive overall uh, decision-making so we don't keep jumping like hotchkotch uh, you know, playing a game that really has a lot of connection with, with the pure, obvious, legitimate science. Yeah. And, you know, something else about this appellate court decision is that it basically reversed a decision that was made by another appellate court on the exact same issue. And the unfortunate fact is that the gentleman that the judge denied his appeal in this particular instance is now returning to prison. He's a card-carrying medical marijuana patient. And how is that gonna help? I mean, that, that goes, of course, to the other issue is how many millions of the 12 million I think we have in prisons today, or whatever it is, we have several million in prison today. And what percentage of those are nonviolent people that had marijuana crimes. I mean, it just seems like we don't want to spend $200,000, which is what it costs in California for many to be incarcerated. We can spend it on somebody learning how to uh, be a productive, contributing, tax-paying member of society. And that, how, where's the downside in that? Exactly. And here's another, I, I spoke with a gentleman just yesterday, actually, I'll be interviewing him in a few weeks, who, he had a three strikes you're out sentence of life in prison and spent 18 years in prison for marijuana crimes. Now, granted, he had a large quantity on him and, you know, the circumstances might have been different. But we're talking about a drug that has never killed a human being ever. And although he was breaking the law, when you look at the, the punishment in relation to the severity of the crime, life in prison for a marijuana offense just seems it's an egregious miscarriage of justice, in my opinion. And, you know, even this recent decision, you know, here's a here's someone who's carrying their medical marijuana card. He had hashish in his possession, which he purchased legally. He's going back to jail now. He's already spent a year in prison. He's going back for two and a half more years. Yeah, and you're right. How is that serving the greater good? How is that justice, really? Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to be knowledgeable and to watch decisions by people of authority 
that are based completely on something that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but, you know, welcome to 2018. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult, in, to say the least. But, you know, when a lot of political campaigns are run on, you know, getting the economy back on, tr- on track, I would think getting more people working that are healthy, that are contributing, that are not burdens on the tax base by spending all this money in incarceration, which also, of course, leads to all sorts of other drugs, other aberrant behaviors, and uh, a bitterness that uh, for some is never shaken. Um, I'm thinking that's probably, when you combine that with maybe eliminating uh, perhaps a third of the the, the domination of a third of the drugs that are out there and eliminate that, um, how much better a country and more healthy country we're going to be. I actually have to get ready to go, um, but um, I really love the work that you're doing. And I was just thinking as we were talking, I hope the next time we do this interview, say six months from now or a year from now, I, I, I don't just think, I, I know we're going to have so much new information about not only these anecdotal stories, but all the great science that that's coming out from Can Life Sciences and from the molecules we've been developing with uh, Doug Brenneman and Dean Petconis and our team uh, at Temple and in in uh, the Philadelphia area. So, uh, by the way, I'll be remiss if I don't say, even though I'm crushed that England lost yesterday, there's a lot of talk now about headers and uh, what they're doing to you know in soccer when people are getting away from NFL football or. or American football and getting into soccer, uh, we're going to have to look at that as well. So, you know, this affects everybody. It's a life issue. Uh, Google Dr. Stuart Titus if you want. That's a good place to start. Uh, go to echoconnection.org. That's E-C-H-O connection.org. Click on education. There are about 1,500 papers there and about 150 conditions. And every one of those papers are double-blind studies, FDA quality studies, legitimate science, and there's no reason to exaggerate. Very excited and excited just to let people know about it like you've been doing so that we can uh, create some hope and some energy and um, you know, create some purpose for some people that have been looking for it. And we need great leaders like you and Cannabis Reporter and Snowden Bishop to uh, take this up. You're without a doubt the voice of the future of cannabis. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Nick, the work that you're doing is phenomenal, and I'll definitely put information up on the website, too, so that people can find that, and they can find you, and absolutely, we will do this again. I'd love to check in with you, you know, in the next six months and see what the progress is, but thank you for everything that you do, and you're one of my favorite people on the planet, and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Snowden. So once again, I'd personally like to thank my guest, Nick Lowry, for sharing his insights and knowledge with us today. If you would like to learn more about the research and all of the efforts that he's making with the NFL Alumni Association and and his work with Life, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click podcast to find today's episode, and I'll be sure to include his bio, information, and links to his website. We have so many people to thank 
First, I would like to thank our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle, Health Terra, and Canisphere. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank our composer, Eric Goodall, for our beautiful theme song, Evergreen. Our production team here at The Cannabis Reporter for always making us shine. And Compassionate Certification Centers, XRQK Radio Network, and Society Bites Radio for distributing our show. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of The Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. You're busy running around from work to kids to evening events. Healthcare shouldn't be adding to your daily running around. Simplify your healthcare with Helterra for only $15 per month per individual or $18 per month per family with up to nine kids. By the way, you can eliminate doctor office visits with 24/7 access to doctors via phone, video, or the mobile app. Not only do you get prescriptions filled over the phone, but save up to 85% on those prescriptions. This is a supplemental plan and not insurance. Healthcare made easy. Helterra.com. Are you getting enough CBD each day? HempMeds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. HempMeds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order.